umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we're going to talk about michigan's 56 to 10 victory over hawaii well clint what'd you think about that one well, I thought they looked sharp. I thought uh, I was surprised again that the defense really looked great and uh, in a different way. Uh, I mentioned in my, my post-game recap that this was just kind of like a, a boa constrictor kind of choking uh, choking a prey to death. Um, there were eight drives for Hawaii's offense in the first in the first half, and they were all punts. Uh, it, was, it was really just no no doubt that um, who was the better unit when, when Michigan's defense was on the field. So it wasn't quite the onslaught on the quarterback that I thought it would be. I don't think that they had uh, any sacks uh, after getting seven sacks in the first week. Um, but uh, there, were, there were just no – nothing was clicking at all for, for Hawaii, and uh, Michigan's defense was really dominant. And then the really the headline that everybody saw and was talking about, you know, J.J. McCarthy just played so well, looked so sharp, so clean. Yeah, J.J., uh, I mean, he had a near-flawless performance, um, 11 for 12. Um, and then one was dropped. I mean, that's, that's tough to do. I mean, that's tough to do in any day of the week in practice. And, uh, yeah, I thought he had, he had a great game. He's playing, playing really well. We'll start J.J. next week. Yeah, he's by merit. He's um, he's he's uh, he's earned that. He's 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 uh, yeah. I mean, just that's by 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 performance, you know, by merit. He's Steve, talk about what he does for the running game, even when he's not running the ball. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's. I think we talked. I've talked about it before. I mean, he's. He puts on puts plays on tape where you where he um, you know can run run around the defense you know run 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 through seams um, as a defense you have to account for that I mean you have to you have to make sure somebody knows where he's at so um, you know that that pulls an extra defender away from the point of the attack I mean even if he's even if he's faking you know carrying out a fake all the way back to last year. It was pretty well understood that that JJ had the higher ceiling uh, in the quarterback battle with uh, Cade McNamara, but uh, Cade had an edge, a significant edge on managing uh, the huddle, managing the offense, pre-snap calls and reads, communicating, and um, you know the offense just looked so much easier. The, it looked so much smoother when uh, JJ has been in these first two games. It really felt to me very similar to the the 2020 season when Harbaugh made the switch from Joe Milton to Cade McNamara, where when Joe Milton was in there in the 2020 season, it looked like everything was hard to do. Every lift was really heavy. Um, And when McNamara came in, all of a sudden, the same play calls uh, were working, right? It looked like, oh, man, it's a whole new playbook all of a sudden. And this clearly, you know, works uh, correctly. And, and now, um, 
it, it has the same feel in 2022. Where when JJ comes in there, it looks like uh, the governor's been lifted on the engine, and, and and that thing can really take off. So uh, it was really, really amazing to see, and uh, really encouraging, obviously, to see um, the offensive unit take a step forward after what was such a great year last year. So break it down by quarter. Michigan scored 21 points in the first quarter, 21 points in the second quarter. They were shut out in the third quarter, but came back with two more touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Hawaii kicked a field goal in the third and scored a late meaningless touchdown for a final of 56 to 10. You know, the thing that I wanted to see, I got to say, okay, I am usually the guy um, tamping down the hype, right? Like just, Okay, lower the voltage a little bit. Um, you know, I always say whenever somebody talks about potential, I'm like, potential just means you haven't done anything yet, right? And we've been hearing the hype, and there's been a lot of attention focused on J.J. from the the times he had a chance to play last season. And, and coming into this game, you know, listeners of the podcast will remember that I said, you know, what I want to see him do is not run. I know he can run, right? So, you know, another thing that he did was he came out in availability last week and he said all the right things. Nothing really differs. I mean, going right when I stepped in the door here, I was always preparing to be the guy, snap one, game one, whatever it was. And now it's just having that reassurance that I'm going to be in their snap one. So it kind of clears all the just worry and indecisiveness going into it and it just builds more confidence honestly additional questions we'll go out to angelique what is your confidence level going into this your first start extremely you know i mean being around guys like we have here and being around coaches like we have here they just fill you with uber confidence and just i've always been a guy to have extreme confidence in myself and just being around guys like that and being around coaches like that just uh, amplifies it even more. That decision is something that's out of my control, and I never really took into the thought process of, oh, I should be the guy. This is my job. Like I want it. Um, that, that's not for me to decide. For me to decide what I'm doing every single day and how I'm improving every single day is my obligation. It has nothing to do with uh, like making that decision that I'm the man or anything like that. You know, he needs to be careful of his durability because he needs to be the quarterback for the entire team for the entire season. Yeah, that's something I've been having to work on because I'm, I'm a hockey player in my background, so I love the contact. Uh, I mean, it, it's coming down to the point where I'm selfish when I just go out there and try to get hit and all that because I got the team on my back and I, I got to be healthy for them. But that's just been a huge part of, like, as I'm getting more experience in this running game is being able to avoid those big hits and not and avoid those injuries. I was really impressed by his maturity. So he came out and, you know, I said, I don't need to see you run against Y. I need to see you throw. So he comes out and when you look at his stats, it was really, I mean, amazing. 11 for 12, 229 yards, three touchdowns, just some amazing passes. And, You know, you could say, okay, Hawaii is not the highest level competition. You you talked about that in the SP Plus. But even if this was just a scrimmage, what J.J. did was really impressive. And, again, I mean, 
the whole stadium lit up. Um, you know, it was interesting because we were kind of joking before the game because there was this rain delay, right? And it would be easy for a player to kind of get out of rhythm, right? Players talk about how they love night games, but they hate the waiting around. So then you have this rain delay. And, you know, the other th interesting thing about the rain delay is the forecast the day before was clean, okay? It changed, oh, there might be rain right around game time, and then the sky just opened up, okay? So here you have J.J. warming up in the tunnel, and, again, very easy. You could understand a guy, you know, being, you know, uh, jolted off of his rhythm, first being a night game and then having the weather, and he just came out on fire. And, um, again, just, you know, I got to tip my hat. Um, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, um, you know, I, I felt bad for Cade, okay? Um, you know, the... I was going to say it, the student section showed really poor form. Um, it's one thing to cheer for a guy, but when Cade went in and struggled, there was there was some booing, and um, Coach Harbaugh addressed that. I do. The coaches do. Our players do. They embrace the fact that we have two really good quarterbacks. Um, you'd love for your fan base to be to be able to do that. Um, you know, I don't expect you to do that, but... Uh, um, or if you do or don't, it's, it's irrelevant. Uh, the main thing is it's, it's a big edge for our team to have two really, two really good quarterbacks, and, and we, we as a team embrace that. So um, outside of that, it would be irrelevant. You know, again, poor form. Now, I'm not the person who would say you never boo college athletes. I can think of a few isolated times you might want to do that, right? Um, you know, if they do something stupid off the field, if they show poor form or show poor sportsmanship. But Kate has been nothing but class throughout this entire process. What have the last few days been like for you in handling all of this? And this the I mean, it's been fine. I think, you know, this is sort of something that I've been dealing with, you know, what, whatever part it was in my career, um, whether it was before I played, you know, with Joe, whether it was, you know, finally going in, whether it was last season and now it's this season, I think, you know, at this point, I have a callus made on how to deal with these things. He helped revive Michigan last year, um, you know, had that huge win on the road against Penn State, thumped Ohio State for the first time in way too long, won the Big Ten championship game versus Iowa. Um, well, we didn't find out the exact statistic till this week. <laughs> but yeah, 2% for the last week. We thought about 2% the last week. And uh, yeah, I mean, we knew that this team, guys on this team, this team is just, you know, they, we've gone under some scrutiny. We know that. And we've, you know, we've battled through it. We've, you know, it's just, we're just a, just such a great group of guys who just care about each other. And, you know, it's a, we've really had the mentality of Michigan versus everybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, just, I just don't know what much to say other than I love these dudes, <laughs> like, really. And took Michigan to the college football playoffs. You know, one of the things that I've liked to, that I like to have seen on Twitter in the last couple of days is there's been a lot of Cade McNamara appreciation posts and that is exactly what, what Cade deserves. 
So, um, you know, while we're singing the praises of JJ, you know, it, it's kind of a, an interesting lesson, I think, for everyone, right? Because there's always a bigger fish. There's always somebody better, okay? And those of us who have been bettered by somebody, you know, in a, say in a, your professional life, nobody, very rarely do you have to do that in front of a crowd of 100,000 people, right? Cade was very classy. And, and again, uh, you know, hats off to JJ and, and um, you know, what he did. Again, amazing athletic performance, lived up to the hype so far, and w was definitely um, just just amazing to watch. And, uh, you know, he ran the offense. And, again, the team, like you said, it, it just seemed like the team was in another gear when he was out there. So um, really appreciate what he brought. Now, okay, the, the flip side to that is there were a couple times where the team came out and they weren't in the correct alignment. Okay, that's the kind of thing that you are going to see from a, a younger play caller. But, you know, on balance, you know, you got to give them an A-plus for, for such a performance in, in rough conditions and, um, you know, definitely showed what uh, everyone, what many people had been hoping to see. Yeah, and I wanted to echo the, the caveat again of the weak opponent, uh, Hawaii, you know, near the very bottom in SP plus ranking, uh, overall and defensively. But again, what was what was most exciting for for me, at least watching, was his command of everything that was going on. All right, so he was not like you said. You wanted to see him have success, not just with his legs, right? It, it was. It didn't look just like a video game out there where he was clearly a, a superior athlete and better player. It looked like he executed the offense and was was supremely uh, accurate and sharp. And even the one incompletion that he had was a was a drop um, that he had thrown right on the money. Really, uh, did not miss a throw. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of hype, a lot of buildup, and, and when somebody steps up into that moment and embraces it. Um, it's special. It's special because, uh, you know, it doesn't happen most times. You know, the majority of times the hype tends to kind of uh, kind of swallow up the, the athlete in that moment. And J.J. McCarthy really stepped up um, and, and it was it was really great to see. Uh, I, I really echo everything that you said also, of course, about Kate McNamara and would remind Anybody that is, um, you know, still harboring whatever type of uh, negativity, um, that, that this team in 22 is going to need Cade McNamara at some point. Yeah, I mean, that's it's it's very similar, very similar to that, um, you know, with Alex and and Colin because they, you know, they're both they're both playing great. I mean, at uh, at one point in the season, I mean. We're six and two with Alex Smith. He was playing great ball. It just had led us to the uh, NFC Championship the year before, and and then um, and then uh, Colin got his start on a Monday night against the Chicago, and uh, you know he 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 lit it up. Um, so yeah, it's not a, it's not a matter of somebody losing. It's somebody you know because um, I've always as I've been saying, I think we got. Two really good quarterbacks, two starting quarterbacks, two championship quarterbacks, and uh, and uh, you know a lot like that Monday night game that Colin played, 
against the Bears. I mean, that looked a lot like, you know, what J.J. was able to do out there tonight. But. Yeah, he was, uh, I mean, playing the position, I mean, that's, as I said, it's hard to do. It's hard to do that in practice. I mean, hit guys in stride, you know, 45, 50 yards downfield. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> definitely was in in the zone, and it was great to see. Um, uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold any quarterback to to that to that standard. You know, 100 percent completion percentage every night. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, let alone somebody that's making their first start. But uh, you know. Really played well. They both have, and uh, you know they, they they both can stretch the field. I've, I've said it. They both got the arm talent um, to make all those throws, and and I continue to just be happy about it. I can be, you know, that's that's our job as coaches: is develop guys, and uh, and um, and you know, I've never looked at it like as a problem. You know, uh, we definitely rather have two really good quarterbacks, three really good quarterbacks. Um, Keep developing guys and uh, and then let them go have at it. Um, it's a long season. Um, not only you know do, do guys get dinged up, um, but his uh, he was still voted a captain on this team. He's got a very important leadership role, and even even if he doesn't play another snap, which it, again I don't think is going to happen, he's kind of assumed the. Uh, the same role that we saw last year for Ronnie Bell, right? Where maybe his contributions aren't on the field of play, but he's got a pretty important uh, leadership role and he needs to find a way to embrace that and find a way to um, be a contributor in whatever way possible. And we'll see, um, we'll see how, how he manages to do that. But I, I think that he's certainly capable and he's uh, he's a competitor as has been you know, kind of reiterated through this whole process. And I think he'll be ready to go when, when this team needs him. And I, I would be willing to bet that at some point we're going to need him to step into, into a game and, uh, and make some plays. And, and I'm glad that he, we've got a battle tested guy to step into that spot ahead of time. Absolutely. And, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh expressed, Many of the, or Jim Harbaugh expressed the same thoughts in the post game. I know the competitor Kate is, and he'll, he'll, uh, he's got gravel in his gut, and he'll, he'll uh, be ready for his next opportunity. That's that's what I predict. You know, another thing that um, I do have to give the crowd really huge props for is that, um, again, I don't believe they showed how bad the weather was on television. But the skies opened up, okay, and you're sitting there. It's a night game, and again, as you mentioned, not a super great opponent. And the rain, I mean, the field actually started to flood for a little bit. And it's interesting because that's not supposed to happen, right? The, the field is engineered to let the water drain, and they have pumps and the whole thing. So when you see water starting to pool on the field, you know it's, it's a really extensive rainstorm. But... What was really cool is, so they had to empty the stadium. And you're wondering, wow, how many people are going to come back? What's this going to look like on television? And I got to tell you, it was like 
they announced the gates were open and you could just see the bowl filling up and and even coach harbaugh mentioned it in his post game when they said when they made the announcement that you could come back into the stadium i mean just to watch our fans pouring through the you know the the tunnels of the stadium i mean that was that was super cool and uh you know in minutes uh, the stadium was back to fold up so full up so uh tip of the cap to the michigan faithful that was that was awesome and you wonder how much of that was the anticipation of of seeing jj and you know it, it's interesting because in the post game uh coach harbaugh talked about his performance he's really raised it the last um you know really the last last week of training camp i mean uh you know, really hit an inflection point um Last those last last scrimmage, you know that we had as a, in the big house, and um, and really from there it's been, yeah, it's been just yeah, really straight up for for him. So that's one, two, two and a half weeks. You know, really, um, you know, every single day has been has been about as good as it can be. Very rarely does somebody announce themselves with such authority and yeah uh, uh, a lesser opponent but even if you had seen that performance in a scrimmage it would have been impressive and again I I was I was you know last week I was the person putting the brakes on the JJ anointment and um, you know he he came out and, and just you know was great so good for him and like you said, we're going to need two quarterbacks. So uh, Cade needs to you know, ready himself. Felt bad for Cade. Not only was he, um, you know, getting the business from some of the people in the crowd, but even when he went in, there were some breakdowns and blocking. You know, it was kind of like, well, what else is going to go wrong when, when Cade goes in there? So definitely, um, you know, you, you love to see the 56 to 10 score, um, you know, Michigan got was able to play a ton of players so coach Harbaugh talked about that that was one of his goals going into the game mission accomplished and again defense looked great um, what other things were you impressed to see or did you want to see in this game um, again the opponent caveat still applies I, Blake Horm looked really sharp as well I think he 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 is going to do well running between the tackles, and we mentioned this earlier in the season. Uh, we're still going to miss Hassan Haskins and his power, especially in short yardage situations. But I think Blake Corum is going to take a step forward in 22 and be a better runner between the tackles than he was in 21. So I will be interested as Michigan starts to uh, to come up against some of the tougher defenses on the schedule. Um, not so much UConn, not so much Maryland, but definitely Iowa. Let's keep an eye on yards after contact for Blake Corum, you know, and yards uh, inside between the tackles, and what happens at the end of every play. When he's being tackled, is he falling forward? You know, does he start to really look like uh, his coach, Mike Hart, and, and falling forward for an extra two or three yards on those tough inside runs. If we see that against uh, Iowa and some of the tougher defenses in the middle of the Big Ten schedule, then that that's really a, a huge boost 
that may may go um, under the radar with, with some of the other national and local media. So that's one thing that I was encouraged by is Blake Horn really, really looked sharp. Um, I liked that they got a matchup uh, advantage with um, Donovan Edwards, where they split him out wide as a receiver. They saw that the linebacker went with him, and it was clear J.J. was going there. He, he kind of stared at the safety down the middle of the field, but the, everybody in the stadium knew that he was thrown over to Donovan Edwards, and he hit him along the, the right sideline um, down near the end zone. That was good to see. Had flashbacks of that happening to us, right, in 2017 against Penn State when Saquon Barkley split out wide and we saw Mike McCray go with him. And everybody everybody in the Michigan fan base knew exactly where the ball was going and couldn't stop it. So it's nice to be on the right side of that now. Uh, so that was encouraging. Uh, defensively, uh, Junior Colson really, really looks the part uh, of the inside linebacker um, to me. He's really tough uh, inside the run, uh, the inside run game. Again, that was kind of a weak offensive line that he's dealing with, so we, we have to see him do it against uh, some of the better offenses. Um, but I, I really have some high hopes for what Junior Colson's going to do uh, stepping forward and being a leader on this defense. And it was also really good to see uh, some more of the push that the defensive line is getting in the middle. Um, again, they didn't get all the way to the quarterback in this game the same way they did in the first game, but that quarterback was still under a lot of duress and a lot of pressure. And again, it's it's not just four guys up front. They're coming in waves. It, it, it's eight or nine players along the defensive line that are all right now being very impactful and getting meaningful snaps early in the game. So. That's going to pay dividends. So th those were the things that were non-quarterback related um, that have been positive trends on both sides of the ball that I've seen. But we really got to keep a sharp eye um, for for doing it against better opponents. For the defense, we really want to see what they do against Maryland because Maryland is really, really talented on their offensive side of the ball. So the first test um, that we really need to get the microscope out is uh, is against the Terps in two weeks. And then offensively, we really want to test them against uh, Iowa, who still, despite their ridiculous offensive struggles, still has a really, really great defense uh, in Iowa City. So those are, those are things that we'll be watching outside of J.J. Palooza. So one of the things that impressed me on watching the game film is – I've been looking for Eric All, and he only had one reception. But what was interesting in breaking down the film is they were doing all kinds of things with him through the formation. And even though they only threw at him once, it was really interesting. And, you know, I, I there, okay, you can practice things away from the ball. And I was impressed with what they were doing with All. So, um, It'll be impressive to see. You hope that that's going to exhibit itself, you know, against the bigger teams, against, you know, coming up on the schedule. But so, you know, again, because you know, I was wondering, well, where's Eric Alvin? So I went back and I was watching him and I'm like, wow, he's doing this. He's doing that. He's going out. He's cutting across. Um, I was really impressed with um, the variety of the patterns and what he was doing. So I think that's something to keep an eye on as as the season progresses. Um, 
uh, again, it's it's really hard to picket stuff here. Um, you know, one of the things that I like to see is that the players have been talking about how Isaiah Gash had been really showing a lot in practice. So it's it's nice to see him get on the field and score a touchdown and, you know, had that long 38-yard run. So it's nice to see some of the second and third tier guys that you hear about actually in a game situation. And, and you know, some of those guys, that may be the only game they play in. So it's nice to see, you know, Harbaugh has talked about how it helps morale for the entire team. And you know that it helps morale for those guys, right? Because they lift weights just like everyone else. They have the same uh, restrictions on their schedule. You know, they're doing everything and, you know, they don't always get a chance to show it. You know, they always say you need to go from State Street to Main Street. They work just as hard on, sta- on State Street as, you know, everyone else, but they don't always get the opportunity to shine on Main Street. And it's nice to see a lot of those guys get in and, and be able to, to show off. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. That's a great point. And on the, um, on the opportunities for improvement scale, again, it's been tough to find things to really really critique in these first two games michigan's played very very well and the uh the opponents are not not all that strong in this game i did kind of put out there a couple things to keep an eye on there was a moment where um it looked like blake corum was kind of got brought down by some shoestring tackles two or three carries in a row um in the second quarter and and mike hart made the switch after that, I don't know that Mike that um, Blake Corum got a carry uh, after that late second quarter when when I had kind of put that out there. Um, could be coincidence, but I, I think um, I think Mike Hart expects Blake Corum to kind of run through some of those arm tackles a little bit um, down the road. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that a little bit. Again, I think Blake is really capable uh, of doing that, and, and I like the way that he gets north and south through the through the hole between the tackles but he did get uh snagged by some shoestring tackles where probably um probably expect him to stay on his feet there and then um and special teams i i thought uh this wasn't necessarily michigan's best uh game um either by the numbers or or kind of the eyeball test uh brad robbins only averaged 41 yards per punt uh usually when that happens it's because the situation right where where they're near midfield and and brad robbins is trying to pin them inside the 10 yard line and that wasn't the case in this game when when michigan did have to punt uh, i think four times uh really the whole field was available and robbins just did not hit him the way that he normally does he only averaged 41 yards uh per kick in this game and uh, aj henning looked explosive on his first return got 35 yards um but I think there was something funky about the way that uh, Hawaii's punter maybe was uh, kind of getting the ball off of his foot. And it was pretty clear that A.J. Henning wasn't picking the ball up real well and wasn't confident really coming forward and, and fielding the ball in the air. It seemed like almost every punt bounced, and, and A.J. Henning was, was trying to field the ball off of the bounce, which is tough, uh, tough to do, ideally. You want you want that guy to catch the ball in the air, even if he's fair catching it every time. Uh, you want to eliminate the the roll from the end of the punt. Um, so those are really really fine tooth uh, you know critiques 
um, that we can keep an eye on. But, you know, there's another game coming this week against UConn where, you know, that's really the kind of things that we're going to be looking at because I don't expect the scoreboard to provide much uh, much drama or, or need for analysis. So, it, you know, we'll, we'll be looking at some of those really, um, really detailed items and, and trying to figure out where uh, where they can keep improving uh, as they go into the Big Ten season. So your point about A.J. Henning, you got to catch that ball, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. even if you fair catch it, you got to catch the ball. And as you said, he had the 35-yard um, long return, and then on his other four receptions or his other four returns, he had four total yards. So um, got to polish that. I was really happy to see Ronnie Bell with the six receptions. I was concerned in the first game that perhaps he wasn't as fast or as confident as we'd seen him in his one game last year. I was a little concerned. So seeing him uh, run his patterns and, and make receptions this game kind of alleviated those fears for me. You know, when I saw the Blake Corum thing, he's 10 pounds heavier. I'm wondering if... He may be a little more powerful, but not quite as quick. You know, they, they don't let us put a stopwatch on him. So it'll be interesting to see as he, you know, you mentioned how he got caught. I'm wondering if he's kind of navigating, um, you know, that balance between speed and power. So it'll be interesting the next couple games to see how that breaks out. Um, again, you're really nitpicking things here, right? Mm-hmm. You're really going out of our way to kind of, well, we, I guess we got to find something. You know, Clint, one point that you made that I was thinking of all during the game when I saw how completely overmatched Hawaii was all the way down the roster was, you know, you'd been warning that, you know, Maryland's going to be a test. You know, you can't overlook Maryland. And I was thinking, you know, these first three games may be giving everyone a false sense of, how great this team is right now because they they have really outmatched the first two opponents. I don't expect that to change against UConn, and it's going to be interesting to see what that first quarter against Maryland is going to be like because Maryland is not going to be overmatched, and I don't think they're going to be as awed by Michigan Stadium as the first two teams we've seen so far this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we know – uh, Talia Tungavailoa at quarterback is capable of putting up some big numbers and, and impacting the game. And that receiving core in uh, for Maryland is almost, if not as talented as, as what Michigan has in the receiver room and even what Ohio State has in their receiver room. Those um, those four or five guys that, uh, that the Terps have um, can play with anybody nationally. So... Um, it's it's going to be a stiff test. And I've liked what I've heard from this team and this coaching staff um, right from the 21 season into 22, right? It's you know, the one game at a time, one play at a time, staying in the present. You know, I, I don't think mental preparation is really a concern with this particular team. I think the leadership group from the players is really strong. So I don't expect the players and the team the program to be taken off guard, but um, but we'll see. We'll see how the next couple of weeks goes, and we will see how um, how the fan base reacts if and when 
Maryland is a stiffer test than, than I think people are giving them credit for. So I always try to think about it from a coaching perspective. If I'm Maryland, I like when I'm coming in to play Michigan. You know, I like that I will like that Michigan would have had these three softer opponents and may uh, have gotten a little full of themselves. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. Now, as you said, all the players on Michigan have said the right things. We prepare the same way for every game as if we're playing Ohio State or Michigan State. Those guys are working just as hard as us. We can't take them for granted. So they're saying the right things, but it's also human nature, right, to mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, you know, what did Coach Harbaugh say? You can't, you can't fall in love with your stuff. It's really mm-hmm. easy after seeing these first two games, I think, for especially the younger guys to start uh, being really impressed with, with the performances. So, and we saw and we saw it in 21. The Big Ten opener at home, game number four, was the Rutgers game, where certainly was more of a struggle than what we expected. And um, I, I see that spot in the schedule having kind of a similar impact, where a little bit tighter than, than we may be uh, expecting. And you, you need that too, right? And I think we said this last year in that Rutgers game, the, the adversity is something that you need uh, to test your team as well. You got you to gotta be able to test their metal and their um, mental toughness. So if it does play out that way and, and Maryland provides a stiff test, then, then that's a positive thing. But uh, it, I think that in the media especially and, and maybe some in the fan base, um, now that Iowa has, has kind of stumbled out of the blocks here too, Right, I think there are some in the fan base that have already started to chalk it up to being 11 and 0 on the way into Columbus, and obviously the fan base is not the—they're not the players. They're allowed to look ahead as much as they want, if they want. But uh, I'm I'm warning anybody that's listening to us to uh, to brace yourself for a tighter game than you expect in uh, in a couple weeks against Maryland. So. Another thing to talk about that uh, that didn't happen on Saturday. For the first time since 1962, Michigan did not enter the stadium under the M Club We Support You banner. And, you know, I've been going back and forth on this because you can understand, hey, you had the rain, you had all this other stuff going on, and I was waiting for it. Okay, it's one of the things that kind of, I guess, declares the game is on. Okay, like, so you're watching the teams warm up, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and it was very clear it was not going to happen, right? So, okay, so again, I'm old and cranky, right? I'm one of these older alums. I like our traditions. But besides being old and cranky, okay, I don't like to see, um, I don't like to see things deleted to cater to television. I think they need to do everything they can to enhance the in-stadium experience, because it's really easy for people to stay home and watch it on TV, right? So that's one of the things you get when you're in the stadium, right? You get to see, you know, the team come down the tunnel, and and it's one of the things that makes Michigan Michigan, okay? 
The same way that at Notre Dame, the cameras always show the team coming down the stairs and slapping the play like a champion sign before they take the field. Michigan is you come out under the banner. And I was thinking about, you know, imagine the person who that's the only game they go to and they didn't get the whole Michigan experience. Or imagine the player who, you know, that may be the only game they play in and they didn't get that part of the experience. So I, I, was, I was grumbling about it. I don't like it. Um, I actually asked um, the Michigan uh, sports information staff after the game, and I said, hey, what's, what's up with that, right? And it's very clear that they had uh, already gotten some, some negative feedback about it because they, they had a statement ready. Even, it wasn't typed out, but they had a statement ready. Well, we decided as an athletic department that, you know, we had to, um, we didn't have time for it and the teams were already on the field. So we weren't going to make them come down the tunnel. And I know from talking to people on the, on the field that it was mentioned and it was pointed out that there was other things they could have done. Right. So, you know, they, they could have popped the, popped the banner up and had the team run around it. So I, I just don't like it. Okay. There are, and, and I would even say from a marketing and a branding perspective, there, you know, as I was talking about, you know, before, there are things that make Michigan, Michigan, okay? We've already seen some things change. Um, you know, we, it, it's funny, I was comparing this to, remember a couple weeks ago, Jim Harbaugh said, well, it's not a demotion for Cade McNamara. Really, JJ has ascended, right? And it's like, well, wait a minute. If, if one person pulled ahead of you, you've, you've kind of fallen back a little bit. And I was using that analogy with the band, right? It's like, hey, the band used to be in charge of all these spirit things during the game. Now we have a DJ on the field. Now we have the scoreboards. And there's no way to not see that the band has been diminished, okay? And even if it's these other things have just ascended, so you're seeing the experience change. And listen, I'm not one of these old cranky people who say things can never change, right? My concern is, is that, you know, we just signed this huge, huge TV deal, right? And I don't like the idea of, well, we couldn't add two minutes to the in-stadium experience because we had to cater to the TV start time, okay? Another two or five minutes wasn't going to change anything for the TV audience, but it's a drastically different experience for the alums and a definitely a different experience for the people in the stadium. And I'd say even for the players. Yeah. I, what I would say is that it was an unforced error that, that I understand there are challenges in logistics when everything's going crazy and you're in a delay, right? There are a lot of people with a lot of schedules and, and everybody's, you know, it's pretty chaotic, I'm sure. Um, but I think your point is well made that it should have been made a priority, right? When you were talk, when the, the, when people were talking about what mattered and what had to happen, that, uh, somebody could have mentioned that this is important still to do. We want to make sure that we still come down the tunnel and touch the banner. Um, and it would have been, you know, some type of alternate setup certainly wouldn't wouldn't have had the band pregame um the routine to it but um it would have really made a statement that this is a priority 
and something that we consider as part of our culture. And I think that would have been important to do. So um, by omitting that, I, I think it was an enforced error. Now, in the grand scheme of things, it, it's not a huge deal. I, I, I do, I can see your point about the in-stadium experience. I, I hadn't thought of that angle. I agree that um, that, that does make it a bigger deal. Um, but um, I'm not going to get too twisted about, uh, you know, some of the pregame traditions, you know, you know that I care most, you know, between whistle to whistle and uh, while there's time on the clock is the most important thing. But these culture things do matter. And this seems like it, it, it could have been avoided um, with just a little bit more forethought or somebody to kind of put their hand up in the middle of all the chaos and say, listen, it's important. We should figure out a way to do it and and get everybody on board so uh swing and a miss there from uh, i would say the administrative leadership but um not something that i'm going to get all twisted on so to your point there were definitely multiple people who tried to make the point and for me listen clint i'm with you okay you know well, i really care what happens during the game i've always said listen i would show up at midnight in an empty stadium to watch a michigan football game okay mm-hmm. and and i would be fine with it the thing that bothers me about this is this is one of the things that I see as getting the players hyped up, okay? And I will tell you, as a Michigan alum, I ran a 5K that ended in the Michigan Stadium just so I could finish under the banner, okay? I got a picture of it, <laughs> of me jumping up, and, of course, they didn't have the banner as high as when the football team comes through, but it was one of the draws of come run a 5K and you can finish in the stadium under the banner, it's a big deal, and the, the thing that I would point out is this does touch the team, okay? This is the get hyped up right before the game, the last thing. Every team since 1962 has done it, and uh, again, what I hope is that, as you said, it will be a priority moving forward that they can't let this happen again, okay? And I'm going to push back real hard, like, Listen, I don't care if the network says you need to kick at 9.02. This is a big deal. Then then rearrange your schedule, okay? Because, again, you'd already waited an hour, okay? Mm-hmm. It's it's not that big of a deal. And and I'll tell you, the, the other thing that frustrated me was there were there were many answers that, that would have satisfied me, right? But it was, well, we – because I'm like, who made the decision? I want to know what they were thinking. I'm not looking to get somebody fired. I went up and I said, what's the decision chain? Because you know there's one last person, okay? Or, like you said, there's not. Well, then that's an organizational thing. The, well, we all made a decision, we all of us, so you can't blame anybody. Well, I'm not trying to blame anybody, but I do want to talk to them, right? So I didn't like the uh, the punting on the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my thing. Again, hey, listen, people make mistakes. People make decisions you don't like. I wanted to understand Hey, we knew it was important, but right. Like Mm -hmm. it was more important to give the players an extra five minutes of warming up. Hey, I can buy that. Right. Cause it's all about the players. Um, There's a lot of things I could have accepted and I didn't like the answer. Didn't like it one bit. Um, And I realized after the fact that uh, um, many larger uh, personalities than me um, voice concerns to the athletic department. So, Hopefully it'll be taken care of moving forward. I just don't want to see it again. I'm, you know, that's my thing is 
okay, mistakes happen, circumstances happen. Um, I was shocked. I had figured that at some point something had happened previously where a game, you know, something had happened. I mean, there was a point where um, the banner had been stolen at a game once. So I thought, well, maybe that was the game that they didn't, you know, they didn't do it. So when I heard that it was really since 1962, I got a little more, hey, this is this is who we are, right? Um, and, and here I'd make the point, Clint. Imagine when, when Rich Rodriguez was here, if he had said, well, we're just not going to do the banner, okay? People would have had a conniption. Um, so it was, it's that kind of thing where um, the more we become homogenized and, uh, you know, to, to cater to television, the more I think we need to push back. So anyway, so there, beat that to death. So do you have any final thoughts uh, for the podcast this week, Clint? No, I think that um, that really covers it. I, again, let's let's hope that there's some some intrigue, some some nuance to see that's new on both sides of the ball. Maybe a step forward on the special teams uh, against UConn, and then we'll really start digging in. Um, that you know, I, I've made enough hype now for the uh, the Maryland game and the Big Ten opener, so uh, we you know we'll start sharpening our pencils and. and figure out what we're going to talk about as we get into the Big Ten season. Yeah, Clint, I think Maryland needs to hire you as their hype man. I mean, you've, <laughs> you've definitely uh, got me scared of them uh, heading into the game. So just want to remind everybody to check the website, umgoblue.com, for game photos, stats. We do the depth charts for offense and defense every week. We have the availability from uh, the players and the coaches. And also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice. So that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.